listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Elliott. Today, we have a special guest coming out of the California area, same side as me, the West Coast. West Coast? Uh, West, West Coast, Coast? baby! <laughs> so, this guy is super awesome. You guys are going to love his vibe, just like everybody else around does. And uh, he's in the multifamily scene right now. He's done the smaller aspect as well. A man of many traits which is really cool. You're going to be able to hear a little bit more background of who the heck this guy is, but you guys are definitely going to love it listening to this podcast tonight. We're going to be talking about how to really deal with investors and scaling your business to get to that next level. We see a lot of people out there that are struggling with doing exactly this, like how to talk to investors, how to present to them, how to be able to raise money and make yourself look and walk and talk the talk to be able to really get that initial capital needed to be able to complete your transactions, to complete your deals. So this guy is awesome and he's going to be able to tell you exactly how he's done it in the past. So uh, Chris Collins, what's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing incredible. Coming at you live from Los Angeles, man. Great to be on here. Thanks. Thanks for that incredible intro. I try to just do a lot, but at the same time, I try and do less. My life keeps getting busier and busier, and I try and keep cutting things out and just stay super laser focused. So maybe it seems like I'm doing a lot in my life, but I'm actually trying to... <laughs> laser doing more? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are, do you mind just diving into all the crazy different things that you are a part of and, and what you're doing? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, I'm a, a husband and a father, and that kind of drives a lot of what I do in my life, why I'm so busy, I guess. I'm a real estate multifamily syndicator, uh, raise capital and buy apartments with investors. I'm also a television editor by trade. So my, my day job that I'm still working, uh, I work in unscripted television. I do shows like uh, Shark Week and I did Duck Dynasty, America's Next Top Model. So I'm an editor, um, which I've been doing for uh, 15, 16 years or so. And then I'm also a touring drummer. I play in a, a Blink-182 tribute band, which is a, uh, pretty ridiculous and uh so we tour all over the country and kind of out once a month with them just got back from vegas and then a couple weeks i'm flying out to new orleans and florida so that's like everything it's it's a lot but at the same time it's kind of i try to anything outside of that i well i don't know i mess with i mess with credit card hacks i travel around a lot and um you know i eat a lot of tacos and uh i drink a lot of boba that's what i, I love got. That's what I got. That's awesome. I think how we originally met, we were at the Rod uh, Cleef's event in Denver. Yeah. Uh, we were we were talking multifamily in that space, and out of nowhere, uh, we started connecting and, and talking about credit. So that was that was really cool. We connected on that. I think it's awesome just to see how many different things you are doing. Like you're in a band, which is sick. I didn't even know it was Blink One Eighty Two tribute. That's super sick. I love that. And then also you're making TV shows on the side here. Well, I guess yeah. a full-time, right? 
Everything I do is full time. That's that's maybe the biggest problem. You know, it's, I'm not very good at doing things halfway. I'm not very good at giving a little bit to something. You know, I try and be excellent at everything I do, and you know, for better or worse. But yeah, so full time television. You can't really do real estate part time and do it yep. well. So. I'm trying to set up an empire and a giant business. I'm not trying to just have one or two little houses here and there. And I'm trying to do something huge. So that okay. takes a lot of time and effort. I'm also trying to be the best freaking husband and father out there. You know, I want to be an example to my son. I want to be an example husband. So, um, yeah. Dude, so I love it. Your heart's in the right place. That's super cool. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Dude, so let's talk about your real estate experience. When did you get started? And... You know, what kind of drove you in the path of real estate? So I've always been invested in the stock market. I've owned businesses and I was basically massing piles of cash. I was just making money, saving money, investing in the stock market, watching it grow into piles, watching it shrink in piles, grow, shrink, depending on the market's doing. And I wasn't really feeling that so much anymore. And then it's like a good way to get a heart attack. It's like, it gets you super excited and then it's like, whoa, what the hell happened? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so when we got pregnant with my son, who's now four, so it's only been about really five years at this point that I've been diving into real estate. I decided I need to figure out a way to get streams of income, not piles of cash. I want streams of income. Um, My day job in television has no long-term anything. It has no retirement plan. There's no health benefits. There's no guarantee of work. It's all freelance. So if I'm working, I get paid. If I'm not, I don't. If I decide to stop working in five years, that just cuts off the flow of money. Uh, A lot of jobs, you know, out there have these long-term 401ks and they kind of, they'll match and they do all these kinds of things that help you kind of transition into a later period of life. And I was trying to figure out how do I not just work until I die? I know people who are in their late fifties and they're in television and they're still just grinding it out every day with no savings because now their money's going out to pay for college for their kids or they bought a new car or whatever. So I realized I have to have something set up long-term where if I stop working, money still comes in. And that for me was real estate. So I started learning real estate at a feverish pace. I basically devoted every single minute of my time when I wasn't at my job, quote unquote, to my new job in real estate. So I was listening to podcasts, I was reading books. And then really what I spent a lot of time doing was having personal meetings with people. I would schedule coffees with people before work. So I'd drive to work, meet someone for coffee. I'd be listening to podcasts on the way. I'd meet with them. I'd try and stay real humble and just kind of ask, hey, I'm trying to get into real estate. What can you teach me? That kind of a thing. So that kind of got me into, I was going to start out with single families. I was going to do turnkey rentals and just start buying those. I thought that was going to be too slow eventually. So I started getting into multifamily and learn the syndication model. And so that's kind of been the transition. So I needed something for long term and I wanted streams of income. And that's, that's where real estate was born for me. Okay. Did... <clears throat> Did anybody help you out along the way or kind of give you that path? Like, did you have anybody in your family, friends, any type of influence that kind of helped direct this new direction? Um, I mean, I met a lot of friends along the way, but no one in my family really has investment real estate. My dad, I would give him some credit. Definitely. He like owns a company. He's a member at a country club in Newport beach. Right. And he would drop from time to time as I was, as I got older and we would talk some finance stuff here and there. 
he would drop from time to time. You know, some of my friends, they own apartment buildings and they're just at the golf course every day. (laughs) They're doing something right. And that was kind of it. You know, he was always encouraging of when I said I was going to get into real estate, but I think he was also cautious because I think a lot of people get burned in real estate and time to learn it. So other than that though, it's been kind of me trailblazing and, but man, I can't even count how many people have helped me along the way. I mean, I have countless hours that I would, love to pay back to people who have just been so gracious their time that should never, you know, I should not be on the phone with the vice president of old capital lending in Texas. Right. But he'll give me an hour of his time when I was just starting out, I had no idea what commercial lending was about. And you know, his response response should have been something like go read a book, but instead he took (laughs) all his time. I mean, I could, there's so many people that have done that in my life. Yeah. That's huge. At the end of the day, I feel like we all do need some kind of guidance. And it's awesome because even though you might have not been looking for it, but as you start going down that path and the right people just start falling into your life and giving some of their time a day away is super powerful. Yeah. And I think you need to be intentional. I was pretty intentional, right? I would, yeah. if I was talking to a broker in Texas, I would let him know, hey, I'm in California. If you know anyone out here, actually, you know, you should call my buddy, Rob, you should call Rob, you know? here's his number. He's in, he's in Venice. Go, go connect with him. So then I'd sit down with Rob and say, Hey, you don't know me, but your buddy referred me to you. If you have an hour, I'd love to just kind of pick your brain. And people are generally pretty, especially in the real estate circle, people are very abundance mindset Yeah, and they will help you out. And that's always my first recommendation. People it's like, yes, read the books. Yes. Listen to podcasts, but get out there and talk to people. And now I do that once or twice a week, I'm on the phone with people that are kind of where I was before, where I'm just trying to give them some of my time because paying that forward, you know, people did that with me. So happy to help anytime I can. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love how you mentioned being intentional because when you are building relationships, because at the end of the day, like real estate is such a relationship built business, you 100% need to make those relationships, but be very intentional with what your goals are. So you can let people know exactly what you're looking for and have them keep an eye out for you. And then they naturally start, uh, the gears start turning and then they can figure out how they can add value to you back, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So basically you start into real estate, you're, you're doing multifamily now and you're raising a decent amount of money on a regular basis for some deals. So I guess when you started jumping into the multifamily scene, you realized that you wanted to raise money to get into these other deals or like, how did you figure out the position that you wanted to be a part of? Basically what happened is I, like I said, I work in the entertainment industry and people around me started kind of hearing what I was doing. Right. And they started hearing, Oh, you're doing real estate. And then people would find out, Oh, Chris is doing, I was, cause I was doing it a little bit bigger. I wasn't just kind of, I didn't just buy one house. I was buying multiple houses and investing in apartments across the country. And well, what the heck is this? People have no clue what this is. So I had a lot of people come up and say, Hey man, can you, um, can you teach me this stuff? Can you show me what you're doing? And you know, my response was something like, man, I would love to, but this is like years and years of learning at this point, every day spending time. I can't just teach you this over lunch. So I was trying to think how I could help my friends, right? How can I help these people? And the best way I figured out how to do that was to, Hey, I'm going to invest in deals anyway. Why don't I bring you alongside of me? I can kind of give you the basics up front, give you some recommendations and resources on how to get educated. And then I'm sussing out deals. I'm, you know, underwriting deals. If it works for me, I can pass it along and you can get along, get involved as well. 
So then I was trying to figure out how do I make that into a more of a business, right? Because a big part of multifamily and syndications is you need to raise money. You have to have money to buy a deal. So like, this is kind of the honest behind the scenes, what happened in my brain. First it went, oh man, I could use all my friend's money and then I could buy stuff for free and then I make a bunch of money and this is awesome. <laughs> right? I love and that. Then, <laughs> and then what happened is I sat at home and my uh, friend and business partner, uh, Reed Goosens, who has another great podcast, great investor. He has a lot of property out in Texas. And he challenged me to really kind of think about the business that I was doing. What's my brand? What am I trying to accomplish? And really think through a business plan, not just this isolated kind of one track. How do I make money? Yeah. Um, and it was great. So I spent about a week thinking, what do I want to do with this company? Right. And I think what I realized is that I was spending so much time just focused on my money and focusing on me and how do I make money? How do I make money? And I've been doing that for years at this point. Right. And I mean, 20 years before that doing investing in wall street and it's just money was becoming this big focus. And I didn't want that to be the legacy, right. Of like, Oh, Chris got rich and Chris made a lot of money. Yeah. So I really took a hard stance and I, shifted my entire focus outward, right? Which is a, it's something I learned from, it's Robert Kiyosaki said, like, give what you want to receive, right? If you want to, if you want love, give love. If you want hugs, give love, give hugs. If you want money, give away money. So for me, it was like, well, if I can just focus on helping people, I'll be fine, right? If I can focus my energy on educating people, getting other friends involved in deals, getting them in solid investments and focusing my time outward. Look, I'm going to be fine. Like I'm doing this investing anyway. You know, I have a lot of money involved in it. It's my sole focus right now and investing. So I'm going to be fine. But if I can just shift that, then I don't have this constant me selfish mentality and it's not so money focused for me. And it's really about helping people. And that's where I shifted into, okay, now I can really help investors with a truly like outwardly focused mind. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been an incredible shift for me because I mean, I'm constantly having lunches with people and dinners and meetings and people ask me all the time, like, well, what's in this for you? I'm like, I mean, look, if, if you don't invest in me, I don't, I don't, I don't care. As long as you're doing something and moving forward, I'm happy. Right. Of yeah. course, it's great if you do an investment with me and we buy a property together, but if it doesn't fit, that's fine. As long as I can impart some motivation and wisdom to you to go invest in real estate, I'm happy. Right. So, I don't know. That's, I guess, I don't know if that's exactly what you're asking, but no, no, it is. I can relate because when I originally started the, the main issue in the house growing up was money. Okay. So I always thought like if I had a bunch of money, if we won the lottery or, you know, all these other things regarding money, then I would be set. Everything else would be good. And it would be like a domino effect, you know, chasing the whole dollar can put you down the wrong path. So it's just that mind shift of switching it around and seeing how you can serve other people and make it a win-win situation because you are already doing real estate. Like you're already going to become successful in what you're doing. So sure. that's super powerful. I love that. Man. And that's, and that's what's been incredible. And, and that's why I really enjoyed talking to you before. I mean, I feel like having that mentality and having that others focus just, I don't know. I don't want to get too, weird about it, but it makes you a good person, right? Like it makes, it's such a more positive way to live life. And it's not a, it doesn't have that selfish kind of feel to it, right? Yeah. Of like, what, what's yeah. for me? Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
Yeah. I it's mean, so you, you hear the term more money, more problems. And I know plenty of rich people who are not, they don't seem to have the most happy life. So that yeah. can't be it, you know? Yeah. I love that. Okay. So once you switched up that mindset and you started realizing, all right, I want to serve these other people. I want to add value to them. I want to be able to educate them on real estate so then they can actually put their money to work or do whatever. If they get educated on it, then I'm confident that they're going to see whatever the hell I saw and became so passionate about it. And it's a safe, lucrative way to be able to make your money work hard for you. So as you start educating these guys, how are you setting these meetings? Like, how does it look like in a nutshell, I guess? Well, I'll give you kind of the path I took as I learned how to speak with investors, right? So maybe maybe it's a little different from when you originally got started in comparison to what you're doing now. Night and day, night and day different. (laughs) Initially, kind of, I started meeting with investors, quote unquote, because people found out what I was doing and like, hey, can we grab lunch and you can tell me what you're doing? I'm like, sure, why not? Let me tell you about it. And we'd have a two hour conversation where I'm talking about start to finish, why real estate, how to invest in real estate, all the different avenues of real estate, how multifamily works. And I was getting to these deep conversations and the person's eyes would glaze over in about 15 minutes, but I was too in my head to realize it, right? I'm just talking at them, just talking into their ear and they're just kind of eating their food and like, okay, is this lunch over yet? Right. And I'm sure it didn't, they probably didn't think that way, but I think looking back on it, it was a lot, right? Yeah. I had quite a few of those. I realized I needed to set up investor meetings more intentionally. So what I did is if someone asked me, Hey, can we talk about real estate? I would go, okay, definitely. Let's set up a time. So then I know when we go to have this meeting, we're going to talk about real estate. We're not going to cover the first half hour of most chit chat lunches, which is catching up on the family, yada, yada. And then we'll get into real estate. Well, now we've been hanging out for half an hour. I'm at lunch, like it's only another hour and a half. So I started setting up meetings very intentionally. And what I did that I don't know if I think most people need to learn this is I freaking humbled myself and I just told this the first couple people after we had these meetings, after we were finished, I go, Hey, do you mind if I shoot you an email and ask you some questions about our meeting afterwards? Right? So for me, it was kind of like showing my hand a little bit and going, I, you know, I'm still new to this. Yeah. Makes me look like kind of a, a newbie, which sucks for me, but at the same time, like it's a necessary part of it if you're going to learn. Yep. So I would ask the first couple people, I'm like, how did that meeting go for you? How was it as an investor? And the response I got was something like, look, you're treating me like I'm a little more of an active investor. You're treating me like I'm trying to know everything about real estate. But look, I'm just trying to be a passive investor. You're clearly the expert. Like, I get that. I don't need to know an hour and a half worth of deep dive into real estate. I just need to know enough where I feel comfortable. I was like, oh man, that was, so it was a huge shift for me to realize that I need to be talking to investors, what they want to know about, right? Not just me lecturing, like that's not what an investor meeting should be about. So I started having meetings where I would kind of start, I would ask the investor, hey, sure, let's have a meeting, but I want you to bring five or 10 questions to the meeting that you want to answer, right? So it would usually go something like this. Hey, Chris, can we talk about real estate? And I'd say, yes, why don't you go to my website, read over all the materials, come up with five or 10 questions and let's get together and talk about them. So then I had this whole period where I would sit for an hour and a half 
meeting and go over every single question, right? And it was still too much. Like that's way too much for one meeting. Uh, but I didn't know that. I'm just learning that. I'm putting in, like basically putting in the reps, like learning how to have investor meetings. So then the next phase was I would take their 10 questions and I would pare it down to five questions. So the next kind of phase of meeting with investors was, okay, I'd do the same thing. Look at my website, come up with 10 questions. Then when we'd sit down, I'd take five minutes before we even talk and I'd just look it over. I'd look at their 10 questions. I go, okay, let's focus on these five. Is that okay with you? And if you feel like you want to keep going, we can keep going, but this will probably be a solid 40 minutes of material that you're just going to be inundated with. And that was usually okay with people. So that went pretty well for a while, actually. And I was able to just tone down what they're trying to get out of one meeting. And then it would set me up for a second meeting with them, right? Like there's always room for more meetings. We can have another phone call. We can do two of their questions for all I care, as long as they're happy. So that was kind of the next evolution of meeting with investors. Um, man, and then the third, I guess the where I'm at now, when I meet with investors, it's really a little bit more organic. I don't have them necessarily bring questions. If they want to bring questions, that's great. But I don't necessarily prompt that. Yeah. Um, I feel like, I guess at this point, I'm pretty experienced at how I have these conversations. So now it's more about, let's just have a casual conversation, but I'm going to be asking them more questions. I'm not going to be talking the whole time and lecturing. Um, by asking questions, I get to then answer what they're actually looking for. Yeah. What, do, what do you care about as an investor? What, what does a good investment look like to you? What have you been doing in the past? So that's where I'm at now. Now I ask more questions and I answer what I need to, but I'm really trying to get a sense of them as an investor and how can I really serve them? So it's been yeah. a long, it's been a long evolution. It's been a lot of, a lot of reps put in, right? Just failing my way through it. I have plenty of meetings where I get home and I tell my wife, I'm like, man, that was an awful meeting. <laughs> that was terrible. But <laughs> So now you're at the point, I mean, before you really started off and, uh, and people were probably sold within the first few minutes of talking with you and like, you know, they're confident in who you are. And then you just kept talking. So you kind of talked your way out of the deal. Oh man. Uh, But then out of the deal, but it was like, I could have shut up about 10 minutes in and got the same amount accomplished. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then after that, you started getting people to come up with a little bit more centered with and direct on what you're looking for to answer their questions, prepare them, tell them five, 10 questions. That still was going a little too long after that. Now you're to the point of, are you even telling them like, Hey, if you have any questions, bring it or you're just keeping it pretty organic and you know, uh, letting uh, yeah, them. I don't, I still kind of say, Hey, why don't you look it over and, and have some questions, but I don't do it as official. I don't, it's a little bit more organic. If you were to look on my website um, and read over my blog, you'd get a lot of your answers that you needed. A lot of your questions answered. Um, not many people spend the time to do that though, right? They're really just investors are looking to get to know you a bit, kind of hear about your deals you've done, hear what you're looking to do in the future. So it's a little bit more organic. I think I've done this a lot enough to, to be comfortable to just jump into any conversation and turn it into an investor meeting that's productive for them mostly, right? Sure. Let's talk about that for a second though too, yeah. because you just mentioned you have the blogs, you have email <laughs> sequences that like you're sending out that has plenty of information out there that yeah. any, any questions that an investor that wants to invest with you most likely could actually get answered on their own. But like you just said, nine times out of 10, they're actually not going to read through any of that stuff, but you still do it. Now you still do it for what reason? 
do you believe it adds up for the personal brand for that whole no like and trust kind kind of gives you like the authority figure like well if he's writing all this stuff somebody else out there is probably reading it or listening to it you know it's probably good stuff maybe we should invest with this guy I think that's a lot of it. Yeah. What did you say? No, like, and trust, right? Like, so you yeah. clearly, you think a lot about branding and that's, I guess if I was going to look at it, like, you know, it's maybe 30% because I think they're actually going to read it and 70% just to have something in their inbox going, whoa, Chris is doing this. Here's another thing from Chris. Chris is, because I'm kind of, you know, in my sphere of influence in the entertainment industry, people don't know me as the real estate guy. Yeah. And now they do, but they only do because I've been sending the material on a constant basis and they're seeing me post up videos on Facebook that I'm, you know, out walking property with a broker in, in Phoenix or I'm in San Antonio looking at another property. Like they see that and it's so much more than a, a passing conversation. Like, oh yeah, Chris said he was thinking about doing real estate, whatever that means. Like this is like, oh, it's showing that this is an actual business. This is something that's serious. So it is yeah. definitely um, exactly as you said, it's, a lot of it is just to, to keep my presence out there. And, yep. you know, it's, it's tough because there's a part of it where you feel like you're, I don't know, like you're, you're bragging and going, look, and I'm doing this and this. But really, it's just saying, hey, just so you know, I'm going to be doing this. And the whole goal of this is that I'm doing all this extra work so that you guys can invest passively and not have to do all this work. Like, I'm yeah. not doing the work anyway. You might as well jump on board and get some passive income off of it while I do all the work. Exactly. I mean, just like you said, it's like, you're going to be doing this anyway. So it's been lucrative for you. It is a safe, it's something that you believe in. So if other people want to make the same choices, then you're just giving them the platform to be able to do it. And you never know who you can actually help out or impact or change their life by just getting yourself out there. So it's an awesome, 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 great reminder just to pop up in their, their newsfeed or their, their email and, and see like, Hey, another, another email from Chris, he's doing it again. So, uh, so it's a great reminder just to put another seed of thought in their mind. I love it. I also, yeah. And you know, another thing I do is like, let's say I had an article I wrote three years ago yeah. And someone asked this question in an email, I can go, oh, here's a quick blurb, but by the way, here's a blog that I wrote about it. Um, what I don't know, and I feel like, maybe you could tell me what you think. Should I be, can I repost those things now? Like, hey, here's a series of articles I wrote three years ago and posted on Facebook today, because people haven't seen it, because maybe that went out to my email list three years ago, but not today, you know? I mean, maybe I should be reposting stuff. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if it's relevant, then always. And if there's bits and pieces that aren't relevant, then I would just either go back through it and kind of cross those out and say this once was, but not anymore. Or just let them know up front, like half of this might be relevant. This was written a couple of years ago. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. But only repurpose. I love okay. it. So the thought provoking questions that, that you're kind of exercising one form or another, naturally pretty organic, but is there any type of questions that the listeners could actually take advantage of and kind of prepare themselves to be able to ask the potential investor to kind of set them up for success? Yeah. So what I'm trying to do is understand their investment history, their investment goals, and what they understand already about real estate. Yeah. So my first question is usually, hey, what kind of investing have you done in general? Like yes. stocks, bonds, have you bought businesses? Do you own franchises? Have you ever owned real estate? Have you owned your personal house? So that question alone will get me a sense of 
you know, if this person has literally never invested in anything before, then I have a little bit more, let's start at square one, right? If they already have done a ton of stocks, well, what kind of stock investing have you done? Has it been a managed account or are you personally trading? You know, do you like really risky stocks? Do you understand why your stocks are doing what they're doing, right? So that gives me a sense of kind of where they are. So it's what kind of investing have you done in the past? And then really, I want to know kind of their understanding about real estate. Sorry to cut you off, but is this uh, to also kind of get a better understanding of if they're sophisticated or accredited? Uh, I mean, accredited is pretty... Most people who are accredited know they are. <laughs> yeah. You'll be um, able to tell when they step into the room, right? <laughs> well, they, I don't know. They'll, they'll usually know. I mean, I feel like most people who make that much money are doing something already to be investing in. So, but it's, it's a, yeah, it's definitely to gauge some of their sophistication. Um, yeah, if someone comes in and they're just square one, yeah, I don't want to put them in an investment right away. That's not right by the sec that's not right by me as a fiduciary and being responsible for their capital um so i need to know where they're at um so the next question is usually you know what do you know about real estate right now what, what kind of you know describe to me what a real estate investment is and some people will just say well you buy a house and then five years later you sell it that's an investment okay well, if that's your understanding what do you do you know anything about flipping wholesaling and multifamily? like just trying to get a gauge of where they are and a lot of times they don't know a lot. And so then I spend some time explaining quickly the differences between the different kinds of real estate investing. But I really focus mostly on multifamily because that's what I do and that's what they know that I do, right? Mm -hmm. And then really a big question I ask them is like, what does a ideal passive investment look like for you? Because some people don't know, right? Some people don't have a set, they like what kind of returns they want. They just know they want some kind of cash flow and they don't want to worry about it. Yeah. Right? Okay, cool. That's great. I can provide that. If some people are like, well, I need X percent return. I want it to be in this many years and I want it to be on these kind of reports. Cool. They're very demanding. And I know that they are going to want, you know, that will work with a certain, maybe a certain team and a certain kind of investment, or maybe they don't really know what they want. And then I can offer them kind of couples of different, couple differences. Like, okay. There's some deals where, we'll buy a property and you won't get cash flow for two years, but you're going to double your money in two years and a big check at the end. Is that okay with you? Oh, I never thought about that. Huh? That'd be interesting. Okay, cool. Maybe that's an option for them. Hey, here's a deal where you get cash flow every quarter, but maybe the payout in the end isn't as big, but it's consistent. Yeah, that sounds good to me too. Okay, cool. Well, then you're know, starting to get an understanding of what they understand and what they're looking for really. Yeah. I think, I think that's super crucial to really understand like what their end goals are because at the end of the day, like you said originally, like most people are kind of set in their own ways and in the selfish manner of, well, what's in it for me? Yeah. So if you can come and switch it around on them and really be able to serve them and be able to educate them and pull it out of them of like, okay, well, this is what's in it for you. Depends on whatever your end goal is. Like, what do you truly want out of it? Yeah, definitely. And I think because most people, like you said, I mean, some people just don't know. They just know they should be invested in something. Yeah. So then I, you know, it's up to me to hopefully provide some education and let them know what the different kinds of investments could be, what it could look like, what's been my experience, you know, maybe some of my failures and something that I've learned. Um, and that gives it, yeah, it gives them a picture that maybe they didn't even understand was there. And then let's see, what else do I ask them? I mean, I try and ask, you know, I'll, I'll usually ask them something like, so why do, why are we having this meeting, right? Like, what do you what do you know about me, and what do you what do you want to know that you feel like you don't know, right? Yeah. And that kind of opens it up for them to feel comfortable to ask bigger questions, you know, like 
I don't know, what are returns like and what, and what happens if this deal goes bad? How do I get my money out? All those kinds of questions that investors ask that I've just been asked many times at this point and gone through the reps. So now I have good answers for most questions, but you know, it's really about what are their questions? I don't want to give them answers for a bunch of stuff they don't care about. Right. If I'm telling them about, I don't know, 1031 exchanges and stuff if they don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How to use your IRA account to uh, invest right. you know, yeah. a bunch of things if they don't have an IRA account. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And so, then at some point, really, I mean, at some point I got to, you know, you get to the point of like, okay, well, if all this looks good, what kind of money would you be looking to invest? Like at some point you got to get to some numbers, but that's only going to be once they're comfortable. I mean, some investment meetings, I don't even ask that question. I don't even get to numbers with people because you can tell they're still just understanding the concepts. Don't, let's not talk about 50 grand or 100 grand today. That's just going to overwhelm you and you're going to go home with this pressure of like, I need to invest 100 grand. Well, you don't need that pressure from me. You know, <laughs> like you probably have the pressure on yourself already. So, so I feel like I probably uh, do it a little bit backwards. I, okay. And I don't raise like a ton amount. I, I like to leverage credit for the most part, mm-hmm. like you're aware of. But, um, but for certain deals, we do raise money. And uh, I like to ask what their end goals are. And then I, I ask what type of money and, and where is the money coming from that they want to invest with. Uh, afterwards, that can help kind of guide me of what their goals are and how I could potentially be able to utilize it and structure the deal. And then afterwards, once I kind of get those structures, then I'll educate them on how that whole system works. Let's let's go over some basic questions that you probably get asked. Sorry, really quickly, but do you feel like you ever scare people away if you ask them that like straight off the bat or do they know that they're already going into that conversation? So that's fine with them. Well, if I, if I can tell that there's interest right there, and that they actually brought up the question or they asked about it or something, then I'll, I'll kind of dive into it that, that way. Well, what's your end goal? Like, what do you want to do with your money? And mm-hmm. like, you know, what, what are your plans? And then once I find that out, then well, I just have money in my IRA account. It's not making enough. I, I'm scared that it's going to drop or something. Or mm-hmm. I have a bunch of money just sitting here in the bank and I used to have my husband take care of it. Now he passed away. I got to take care of it and I don't know what I'm doing with it. So, you know, stuff like that, then I can figure out what do you want on a monthly basis or a yearly basis? What kind of returns? Cool. So, yeah, I mean, I guess they're all somewhat of like a little bit of a warm lead because once they ask me the questions, then it's already kind of like a go. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, But let's talk about like some of the questions that you get on a regular basis, probably asked a million times now that might be able to help some of the new listeners out there, I, I guess, kind of set up their talk or be able to answer very confidently to the potential investor. Hmm. What are some of the questions and how to get confidence? I mean, look, I think there's something that to be said about getting involved yourself before you go started to raise capital, right? I think a lot of people hear this myth about you just find a deal and you can go raise capital. I'm like, well, Sure, but if you've never done that before, if you've never been in a deal before, if you've never been the capital that someone else is raising, you know, you're kind of at a disadvantage and, and yeah. it's going to be a little bit tricky to build that trust up. It's going to be tricky to speak with confidence. It's going to be tricky to speak from experience. Yeah. And I think people see that. That being said, there's definitely a lot to be said about just being really educated so you can give a, a solid answer. But at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm still in the infancy of my investing, right? I'm going to be investing for the next 40 years. Yeah. So I've only been doing this for, you know, 
compared to a lot of people that I hang out with, I'm still way in the game. game. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I still can't speak from as much experience as someone else. You know, I was not investing before the crash. Right. And people go, well, during the crash, this, this, and this, I go, yeah, I, I walked through it with my condo I owned, but I did not have investment property. So I can't speak to that. And I have found, you know, that admitting where you don't know something is just as powerful as admitting when you do know something. Cause I think people oh. see that you're being genuine and they yeah. see that you're not trying to sell them on something. And that is one thing that my friends will tell you is that I'm not, and my investors will tell you is I'm not trying to sell you something. Like I want an investment that works for you. If you don't do it, no problem. I'm investing in it anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So sorry, back to your, uh, your question. What are some of the questions, right? So a lot of people might ask, well, what if this thing goes upside down and like, mm-hmm. how can I get my money back? Or what yeah. about the market? Yeah. So, okay. So there's like four different questions, but yeah. so yeah, how do, that's a, that's a good question. So how do I get my money out of this? Right. Let's say I invest 50 grand. How do I get my money out? Yeah. And my response is basically, well, you can't like, this is an illiquid asset, right? I need you to understand that. And that should be based on my understanding of their investment goals, right? If they're looking to get in and out of something really quick, we don't even need to have a conversation about it investing in a syndication because this is going to be a three to seven year hold. I explained there is an instance where in theory, if you need to get your $50,000 out, you know, something happens in your family, we can try to sell your shares to someone else in the syndication. Like that is a possibility. I have personally never had that happen. All my deals so far have been pretty good except for one that I'm in. Um, but that typically the answer is no. Can I get my money out? No, unfortunately you can't. If you're not looking, if that doesn't make you happy and you're not comfortable with that, please don't invest in one of my deals. Sure. Um, let's see people. What was the other question you brought up? Um, you know, looking at risk and what happens, like basically what can happen to my money in this deal? Everything goes perfect. Everything goes according to plan. Yay. It's rainbows and sunshine. Everybody's happy. So what about the opposite side? What happens if the deal doesn't go so well? And then I'm really explaining the, the idea behind real estate is that you actually have a hard asset, right? Your money is not going up and down with the idea of a company like stocks, right? My Tesla stock is going up and down based on the impression that investors have of the company. Well, with a piece of real estate, I explained to them that this is actually a hard asset. Your money is in there getting returns based on rent that's coming in and expenses that are going out. Well, as long as our expenses are going out in a pretty controlled fashion, as long as we're doing a pretty solid business plan, the rents should come in. Now, we could have less returns than projected if the rents aren't as high as we could maybe get to. Maybe we're trying to get to $900 in rent and we only get everyone up to $850. Well, yeah, then we are getting lower returns than projected, but we're still getting returns, right? We're still getting money coming in. It's just not as much. So... On my deals, we do a, a sensitivity analysis, which is basically stress testing. Yep. Look, what happens if, if we're 100% occupied and everything's great? This. Okay, cool. We're 14% cash return. Awesome. What happens if we're 70% occupied? What happens then? Ooh, well, then you're getting 1% return. I mean, that's still freaking, that's still in the you're black. It's still, <laughs> yeah, still up. still in the yeah. black. And for a property to get that bad, either we're so far off on our underwriting and our business plan goes straight to hell. <laughs> and the bank and the bank missed it in their underwriting. Like all that has to happen or there's some kind of disaster, right? Yeah. And if there's some kind of disaster, what I learned a lot, you know, somewhere along the line that made me feel very comfortable is, well, look, if my money was in the stock market and there's a disaster, my money's going down in value. It's going into the red hugely. 
well, what happens when the stock market goes down? Real estate will drop some, but my money's still a little bit in the black. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd you know, rather be a little bit in the black than really in the red. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, you're talking about something that's a physical asset, something that you can see, feel. It's not something that it stocks like the owner decides to cheat and get caught or all types of crazy things that the owner, the CEO could do and fluctuate the stocks one day that's totally out of your control that's not going to be the case you get a, a physical asset which is night and day yeah and at the worst case scenario we go sell the property and we maybe don't make all of our money back or maybe you lose a little bit or maybe you just make a smaller return than projected but that's like worst case scenario are you, um, are you giving promissory notes out at all that god forbid you would owe that one way or the other no okay i've never done that okay but- that, that's more on smaller deals. That's not syndications. You're working on uh, bigger deals. Promissory notes would not be something that is required or requested in, in when you're raising a couple million dollars in, in right. revenue. So, and then a lot of people want to know how the returns work and they want to know how, you know, how I'm getting paid. Um, so I have to, you know, a lot of times people don't understand what a preferred rate of return is or how an investor split works. And one thing I do is I always carry a pen in my pocket and I pick up the nearest napkin and I draw out a simple pie chart and I explain that there's a 70% that's the limited partner, 30% that's the general partner. So I, I, what I think is nice about that is it shows them like, look, I can explain this to you on a napkin with a pen I just pulled out of my pocket. I don't need to pull out a advanced spreadsheet to explain this to you. And if you can't understand this on the back of a napkin, yeah. it might be too advanced, right? Yeah. And people feel comfortable with that. And that is like, I don't know, I guess a little tip or trick for you is be able to explain this in a way that's very simple that you can do it on the back of a napkin. And I think that's a, uh, it, may, it puts people at ease that, that, oh man, I, can I take that napkin? You know, people will leave and like, can I bring that napkin? I'm like, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah the napkin's yours. Yeah, the napkin. That's too funny. You know, yeah. really simplifying it, and I don't like the word of like dumbing it down, but, um, you know, third grade level, just make it very plain and simple. Something as easy as pulling out a pen from your pocket or even borrowing one out of their shirt and, uh, and you know, Use, utilizing their napkin right in front of them mm-hmm. is an awesome technique just to be able to like show them how simple it is. And if it is overwhelming or complicated or the questions keep on piling up, then maybe it's not the best fit at time. You know, maybe it, this relationship needs to just be built over time and educated a little bit more through some of your resources. Absolutely. And also, honestly, like that comes after you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes of asking them about their experience level before and what investments they've done. Some people, yeah. a napkin is not going to do it, right? They want to pull out your laptop, show me your return, show me some charts. Like that's, that, that works. Like I definitely, I'll have a laptop with me and let's, let's look at the last deal I'm working on. Let's look at the latest returns. But some people, they're, they're not there and they don't care. Some people don't care about that, right? Like they just yeah. want to know that how much is my, what do you estimate my check's going to be each quarter? What's the long-term plan here? And when do I get, when are we going to sell the property? A lot of a big question that people often ask is like, why do you sell properties? Right? Why don't we just hold this long term? Right? So I explain in that instance that it actually comes up a lot, like because they think people hear buy and hold, they want to own real estate long term. Why are we going to buy this apartment building and then sell it in three to seven years? Yeah. Um, so I usually explain how there's two reasons for that. One is that you're trying to capitalize on the largest amount of growth. If I'm taking this property, we're buying it where rents are at $700 and we're trying to get it to a place where the market rents $900, that's the biggest amount of growth you're making is from making it from 700 to 900. 
Well, after that, you're going to get from 900 to 910, 915, 920. The little rent growths are going to happen. So the biggest growth is that first chunk. If I could sell it right at that $900 mark and then start the process again with another property at 700 and get those up to 900, that's going to be the biggest way to grow my money. I feel like I'm young. I want to be in deals that are a little more aggressive and grow money quickly rather than a deal where we get it to, you know, we buy it at 700, we get to 775 and then we just kind of hold this thing long term and we get the rent checks every month. That is nice, but it's the slower path. And then the other thing I get to explain in that question is how commercial lending works. And commercial loans are not the same as residential loans. Like they work on a shorter time frame. There could be a five-year loan, a 10-year loan. And at that point, the loan is freaking due, you know? (laughs) So you got to sell that property or refinance it. And so it's a a great question because then I get to explain how that works. And people don't know that commercial lending is different than buying a house and you have a 30-year loan. So yeah. and back to square one, like that all comes from me picking up the phone and calling commercial bro- commercial lenders and, hey, my name's Chris. I've never had a commercial loan. Can you explain to me how this works? And then just shutting my mouth and writing frantically pages of notes as they explain it. And then, yeah. So. I mean, at the end of the day, like from where you are today in comparison to where you were when you first initially like sat down at that table or, or had that conversation with other uh, potential investors, I'm sure it is completely like a million times over night and day. Night and, and day. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, like you're not going to be perfect right in the beginning. You 100% just need to take action and education is everything. So the repetition of actively doing it, but also doing your research, do your own due diligence, be confidence, bring out the confidence as the more that you educate yourself, all the books you can get your hands on, podcasts, YouTube, picking up the phone, building these relationships. I think you dropped a bunch of gold nuggets when you were mentioning originally where you're screwing up, you're talking too much. And and when you're meeting people, when you're networking, it's, I used to play a game with myself. A mentor actually told me to do this. When you're meeting somebody, ask the thought provoking questions, but really play a game and see who can speak the least. And I was doing it with other people that knew I was playing the game and they were trying to do the same thing, but it's really fun. And at the end of the day, when the other person's talking the most, you didn't say a damn word, they can walk away feeling the most fulfilled from just being heard, felt, accepted, and acknowledged. So that's huge right there, but also just acknowledging all the different personality types out there. Because Mm -hmm. when you're talking like a decent amount in the beginning, you might've been dealing with a personality type that's like, they're just like, let's go, let's do it. I got the money, like, <laughs> give me a little bit of confidence that you're not going to go, like, throw it in a ditch or something or screw around at, at a casino, mm-hmm. and uh, and we're good to go. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, it's kind of like, it's interesting because that is something that I've picked up along the way in, in networking events, right, and just going to meetups and hosting meetups is, and it's, it's tricky being on podcasts, to be honest, because I'm, I've tried to learn and take in, get away from the, of me just talking a lot and being on a podcast, of course, you're supposed to freaking talk and yeah. help, help add some value here. But I, I want to ask more questions than I'm responding to, but there is a balance when you're meeting with investors and the balance is where you need to, you know, I want to ask them more questions so that I know about them. I want them to feel heard. So I want to shut my mouth and listen, but I also need to be able to spout off and show how trustworthy and how knowledgeable and how involved I am. So there's yeah. a balance that I'm still learning to this day, to be totally honest. It's, it's not a perfect, I'm by far not perfect at this and I'm still 
you know, I would love to hear this podcast from other people in my shoes that are meeting with investors on a daily basis and see what they do. And of and course, take notes from them. And so. yeah, no, I love it. At the end of the day, I really do truly feel like it all surrounds around understanding other personality types out there. There's a million different platforms to be able to get educated on personality types. And, and the more you educate yourself on that and you really meet new people, understand like who your best friend, like what type of personality type that person is, or just family, friends, all these other individuals within your own surrounding, your own circle to understand Mm -hmm. their personality types and what really triggers them and how they react to certain things. That is a great indication right from the start of how to present something to somebody and ask them the right questions. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, it really boils down to, you just have to get out there and do it and, and fail. I mean, I, I know people who are like, Oh yeah, I'm going to start raising the capital after I get my deal. I'm like, you better start those conversations now because yeah. you go and ask your uncle for a hundred G's and they've never heard you talk to them and you've yeah. never talked to anyone about it. Guess what? You're going to fail through that conversation. And it's yeah. just right. Start now, start having those conversations. And that by when the time comes, when someone goes, yeah, I got a quarter million. I want to invest you're prepared, you're ready to have that conversation and you're not afraid of that conversation. You don't overspeak. You're asking more questions. All these things that we talked about. Yeah. Uh, So start now, get your reps in and uh, you're going to go out and raise a bunch of money. Yeah. No, at the end of the day, you got to take action. It's funny. I got a quick story. You know, somebody that I'm coaching, as they, they got their first property within 30 days, under contract, a screaming deal. And I've always taught people like, get the deal first, lock it in. And if it's a screaming good deal, you'll be able to raise the money. And he was confident at first because he was like, damn, this is a really good deal. But it was his first time asking somebody for money. And that's where he went wrong because he was coming from like the me, me, me approach instead of switching the mindset and realizing who has a bunch of money that's just sitting in a bank account, not earning anything or gambling it with a stockbroker that's moving his money around for his own benefits. Right. Yeah. You know, so unfortunately when he went to raise that money, the confidence disappeared right away and the lack of education, uh, he wasn't able to deliver it to be able to get these individuals to actually invest with him. So I had to raise the money for him, but it, it's just like, it shows right there. Like confidence is everything, but you really do need to be educated first, you know? Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And not everyone's in the same spot, right? I, like I said earlier, I think it, the good spot is to go and invest your own capital first, get involved, get knocked on the chin a couple of times, have some successes. So now you have a little more speaking from experience, but not everyone has money to throw around and, and invest. So some people are still coming from scratch and that's okay. But even then, even more, start having your conversations now, get your reps in. That way when you do find your screaming deal, like your guy had, he's just having another conversation at that point. He's been building it up. He's been setting it up. You know, I mean, a lot of the, I've been heavily influenced by quite a few different podcasters, but Michael Blanc's big on having your sample deal, right? Have a a deal you can plot. If I could find this deal, would you be interested? I don't have it yet. I haven't done it before, but this is how it would work. I can explain to you how this works. If I have that, would you be interested in investing? Well, yeah. Well, now they've set that up. So now when your guy goes and finds that streaming deal, now it's a real life deal, right? Hey, remember that deal I talked to you about six months ago? I got one. Are you in? Oh man, this guy really came through. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Now they're investing in your deal. Even though you haven't done a deal in the past, it's possible. It's just, but that's not going to happen so much like you experienced if he's going to that person for the first time. 
I have a deal. You've never heard about it. You didn't know I was doing deals. Now I want to, you know, 50 grand. No Tough conversation. Yeah. I need money. Like you yeah. want to give me money. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a little nerve wracking and, uh, and overwhelming or intimidating. Yeah. So, you know, even if you're in that situation, you're working at Starbucks or whatever it is, like you, you don't have the capital currently. Uh, that's why I'm very big on it. You are as well, uh, on the side of credit and how you can build up strong credit lines, be able to leverage that in the beginning. I've leveraged a ton of credit when it comes down to 0% interest, 18 months to purchase properties, and every single remodel has always been on credit, so it's super powerful. Man, I'll have to do a whole other podcast on that sometime. Then I can, yeah, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll interview you on your podcast about <laughs> your whole credit thing. Have you ever gone on and talked about your credit? I have a little bit, but I've never been interviewed on my own. That would be that would be pretty badass, actually. Hey man. All right, well, let's do that. I love it. Starting part two right now. Go, no, <laughs> Chris, man, I, I appreciate you so much. I feel like there's tons of value in here, and the listeners are definitely going to be able to have something that they can take action on, implement, and be able to get the success with raising money and be able to build up their business overall. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate you having me. If you're looking for educational materials your website's incredible i mean i went and checked it out there's a lot of great podcasts on there i hope your listeners are if they're listening to this one i hope they go and check out all the other ones if they get a chance they want to check out my site my company is called amity cashflow am is in mary amity cashflow.com welcome to check that out reach out i'm sure brandon will put some contact info there if you want on the but otherwise uh yeah. So however you like, I was going to ask, you know, however uh, people can reach out to you. Yeah. My email is Chris at Amity cashflow.com. That's C H R I S at A M I T Y cashflow.com. Happy awesome. to talk anytime. I mean, genuinely, like if you're starting out from scratch, if you've been doing this for years, if you want to work together and partner up and teach me something, please. <laughs> Hell yeah. But happy to help any way I can. That's awesome, man. Well, you're such an awesome guy. You definitely have the the heart in the right place. And I love that about you. So I appreciate you actually giving back your time right now. I know it's like getting dark on the one uh, side of your cheek right now. So I appreciate you staying later and not rushing off to the family. It's all good. Yeah, all you're good. the man. Appreciate you, brother. As always, guys, make sure you go check out iTunes and hit that subscribe button. Leave a review as well. Let me know what you guys think. You can check me out at brandonelliotinvestments.com, Instagram, brandonelliotinvestments, and then facebook.com slash brandonelliotrei. So till next time, this has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing. Stay blessed, guys. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.